Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. to the Palace of Pistons podcast. We are about 24 hours away from the 2018 NBA draft, and we'll be covering all of that and more on this episode. My name is Mike Angolano, your host as always, and alongside me is Aaron Johnson. And today we have a special guest who's come to drop some knowledge about the NBA draft from Def Pen Hoops. Um, special guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, what's up, guys? Uh, my name is Gabe Escobel. Um like you said, I write for Def Pen Hoops. I just do college basketball over there, some draft stuff. I've been doing the mock drafts for them, um, you know, stuff like that. Watching college basketball, sometimes that is just oh so painful. <laughs> oh it, so it, painful. It, it gets really rough at times, especially uh, especially in the first half of the season when you see a lot of the uh, a lot of the powerhouses play the the lower teams, and uh, it just it's it's hard to watch sometimes. I'm, I'm even I have to admit that. Yeah, I'm one of the lower teams that normally gets beat up on once a year, so <laughs> I totally, totally understand. Aaron, do you any, like watch any college basketball, or, I mean, I guess Michigan's okay. Yeah, I watch a lot of Michigan basketball when I get the chance to, um, and then, you know, I watch the better teams, you know, your Dukes, your North Carolinas, um, teams like that. It's not something I'm going to watch over an NBA game, but uh, I like college basketball. Well, good, uh, because we'll be talking all about college basketball and a lot of those players that are going to make the jump into the NBA, uh, and we'll get started right away. Uh, the Pistons don't have a first-round pick this year. They gave that up to the Los Angeles Clippers uh, as part of the Blake Griffin trade, but they do have a second-round pick uh, in uh, at like the 42nd range, I believe, 43, 42. They have the 42nd um, pick, yeah. Yeah, the 42nd pick, so it's going to be a lot of sleepers and there have been plenty of uh, scouting reports out on uh, the website, out on the Palace of Pistons website. And uh, if you have not, check those out. Definitely check those out. A lot of hard work has been put into those as well. But, uh, Gabe, we'll kind of divert to your expertise uh, for the draft and um, some of the late-round flyers that, that the Pistons may take. They have many different holes that they can look at with that second-round pick, but uh, who are some of the names that you see that they should be able to target in that range? Yeah, so that's that's an interesting question for sure. The Pistons, I, I, I would say, based on the information I've gathered from a lot of people like yourself and other other Pistons guys, is they need you know they need some shooting, they need depth on the wings, they need guard depth, um, kind of the primary things to look at for them. Um, some guys kind of in that range. Uh, Anthony Simons is a guy who could possibly fall there. He's uh, the kid from IMG Academy. He didn't play he didn't play college, so he's kind of coming straight from high school uh, prep prep year. So that, that, that's an interesting guy. He's a combo guard. Is I'm not sure if he'll ever do much more than score, but I think he could uh, in the future be a pretty prolific bench scorer. I think at that juncture, he's probably the guy with the highest upside that you'll be able to find. Um, he's like I said, he's, he he can line it up, he can shoot it uh, off the dribble, he can catch and shoot, work off the ball, play both guard spots. Um, he probably wouldn't see any NBA action this year, but um, you know, a, a couple of years of getting his body ready. I think could do him a lot of good. Uh, another guy, Shake Milton, he's a combo guard out of SMU. Uh, doesn't quite have the shiftiness of Simons, 
but he's much more mature playmaker. He's a 43, 44% three-point shooter last year, high volume too. He's probably going to fill more into a 3 and D guard, but uh, I, I think he's someone that could add some value if, that's, if the Pistons were to, were to look at, at guards. Aaron, how, how do you feel about some of these guards that have been mentioned? I mean, if you were to name a point that the Pistons should perhaps take a flyer on, what position or positions would that be? I think the Pistons have to target a point guard in the draft. Um, that's kind of something I've been saying for years. I want them to get a point guard in their system. Obviously, Reggie Jackson's the guy right now, and that's just as for now. We don't know if he's still going to be here by the start of the season. There's always trade talks surrounding his name. Um, but I think Simons is a great name uh, to mention in that role specifically. He's a guy that, Gabe, you said probably wouldn't see a lot of action in his rookie season, and that's perfectly fine because Detroit has uh, Ish Smith and Dwight Bikes under contract. Those are two guys that can handle the backup point guard duty um, just fine. And I think getting Simons on the roster – moving them between the G League and with the main roster, having them learn from Jackson, from Smith, those guys that have been in the NBA now uh, for so long and have created successful careers for them, I think that would be really beneficial to him. And Gabe, as you also mentioned, he's probably the guy at 42 that's going to have the highest upside at the guard position. That's what also intrigues me about him. Uh, Another name, probably my favorite name, Outside of Simons is Devontae Graham from Kansas. Uh, had a great senior season with the Jayhawks. Uh, took over the distributing role with Frank Mason moving on to the NBA. And Graham did a great job. Averaged 7.2 assists per game. Uh, so re- very good score from the outside. Has a really nice shot. He's a 40% three-point shooter. Obviously, there's some question marks with his ability to go inside. And doesn't have a great arsenal inside when he's attacking the basket but I think he'd he'd do uh, a nice job learning from Reggie Jackson who's become pretty creative when attacking the basket he could add a floater to his game so those are my two two guards that I'd like Detroit to really take a look at Um, looking at some of the mock drafts out there there's a lot of uh, shooting guards being mocked to Detroit Gary Trent is one of them we've seen we've seen other guys uh, like Raleigh Atkins and so there's there's a little bit of un- uncertainty if Detroit's going to go point guard or if they're going to go back-to-back years with drafting shooting guards. My personal hope, though, is that Detroit sticks with the, that point guard spot, and I think Anthony Simons or uh, Devontae Graham would be pretty good options for them at 42. Do you think that with the new coach, with Dwayne Casey as coach, and them kind of pushing towards the, hey, we're going to win now, do you think that they – look for a more seasoned college player like a guy who has stayed for all four years and you know has a little bit higher of a basketball IQ or do they take a project like like you guys are saying I mean does that just make a lot of sense well I think um I think Detroit could look at some veteran style prospects like a Javon Carter um from West Virginia he fits that mold of a point guard he's a pesky defender um could probably come in and play right away if necessary another point guard out there Keenan Evans from Texas Tech he's a senior played four years of college ball um but I I don't know I don't think Detroit is really going to concern themselves about getting a veteran prospect I think if they're worried about getting a veteran-style player, they'll try to package that pick with the player on the roster and try to make a move in that way. Yeah, Javon Carter is actually a name I, I like a lot for Detroit. Um, like Aaron mentioned, he's a very pesky defender. I mean, even in the in the NBA Combine scrimmages, he was picking up guys at full court uh, and, and pressing them the length of the court. So he is a very pesky defender. Um, he's another guy who shot, uh, I think, just under 40% from three this last year. He's a four-year guy. 
Um, I, I actually personally, I think I like him a little bit more than I like Devontae Graham, just kind of in a vacuum. Uh, but I, I think he could be a guy who could immediately step in and provide some sort of value off the bench uh, for, for Detroit. Um, but, yeah, I think 42 is kind of an odd spot for point guards because, you know, Graham and Carter, they there's probably going to be better prospects available than them in a vacuum uh, at, at 42. But, um, you know, drafting for need that late in the draft is not uh, is not a crime by any means. Um, you know, maybe Bruce Brown falls to them. That seems kind of unlikely, but, um, you know, maybe maybe Bruce Brown finds his way down to 42, and that would be a, a, an amazing pickup for, for Detroit if they can manage to snag him there. But, um, yeah, I mean, J- Javon Carter, Devontae Graham, both four-year guys, both, uh, you know, their ceilings aren't incredibly high, but you know what you're going to get. You know you're going to get high IQ. You know you're going to get reliability. Guys who can run an offense, uh, and I think both guys could potentially become very coveted uh, second unit leaders at some point in their careers. I think another guy that interests me for Detroit, if he's still around, would be Trayvon Duvall from Duke. He's definitely not the best prospect, won't be the best prospect on the board at 42. But again, there's not going to be pressure on him to play right away in Detroit system. He's going to have time to work on his jump shot. He can go get reps with the Grand Rapids Drive in the G League. You know, he can spend training camp with Detroit, learn from the, those guards. And when he gets, you know, goes to practice, goes to the G League, stuff like that, work on his game, develop his jump shot. But he's got good athleticism. He's labeled as a, a guy with defensive potential. Uh, he's pretty, got pretty good size at 6'3". So I, I like him. He's young, too. He, he's a one-and-done type player. He's 19 years old. So Detroit needs youth, and he's a guy that I take a flyer on with the 42nd pick because we don't know what he'll turn out to be, really. He could end up being, you know, not very good because he doesn't develop, develop a jump shot, and you need that in the NBA. But, again, he's young. He had a down year at Duke, but there was a lot of talent on Duke. He was somewhat overshadowed by guys like Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter. So I think I think he'd be a guy that I would look at if he's on the board of 42 for Detroit. There's going to be lots of options for the Pistons around 42, but the draft night is going to be, I think, out of all of the drafts over the past couple of years, this one seems like it's such in a flux. I mean... There doesn't seem like any surefire pick. I mean, aside from maybe DeAndre Ayton. I mean, there's there's a lot of moving around, and, and a lot of teams appear to be looking to move around, and not just in the first round, but in the second round um, as well. So it'll be very interesting to see what the Pistons do. But they do have a lot of options. It seems like you both are kind of leaning towards guards uh, and combo guards as what they should grab, and that's probably a good option. Um, but we will see. Uh, we will see. Like I said, just about 24 hours away from. Um, the NBA draft, and we'll transition into um, the Pistons giving up their first-round pick. Um, Aaron and I have talked about this before on podcasts, and we've had many different articles come out on Palace of Pistons about uh, the trade that they made last year to acquire Blake Griffin and giving up their first-round pick. Dave, I want just very quickly your your feelings on that trade, because there were a lot of mixed feelings in our little group chat that we had uh, about this trade. Some people hated it, some people were fine with it, but I want to hear what you think. Um, okay, well, first, I, first I, I would like to hear what you think, just because, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 feel like, I feel like it's very much a trade where there's a reason for it, and there's a reason against it. Like, this trade, to me, seemed very much kind of in the middle, and I could see why you do it. But I can also very much see why you wouldn't. So I'm, I mean, I, I would just kind of be curious to see what you guys think about that, and maybe that could spark some thoughts for me. We did a piece for Palace of Pistons about where uh, we would have contrasting opinions, and 
Um, my opinion was I didn't like the trade. And I didn't like the trade because I feel like they gave up way too much to get Blake Griffin and his horrible contract. That could look very ugly. That was the killer years. The contract is is ugly, and I get that you need to get a star and you know inject some superstar power into this roster, but I think they gave up a lot. Um, I think they didn't need to give up the first-round pick. I feel like that they didn't need to do that because of the amount of money that they're taking on, but I, I was not a huge fan of it, and I'm still not a huge fan of it, and I think it's very possible as we get farther along you know, in the next couple of years, this trade could look even worse. Um, but Aaron, uh, your expanded thoughts. Well, I think for the situation Detroit is in with the owner, Tom Gores, you know, Detroit isn't going to acquire a superstar in free agency. So the only way they're really going to do it is through the draft or through trades. And I think Tom Gores really put some pressure on the front office, Jeff Bauer and Stan Van Gundy, when they were there, that they needed to make a move that they needed to, to acquire someone and when Blake Griffin became available um, it seemed like a a viable option and for Detroit to make that move giving up the first round pick giving up Tobias Harris um, both those are are pieces that you would like to be able to have Um, maybe you could have been able to get away with giving up just one of the two pieces more likely you would have had to give up Tobias Harris um, and been able to keep the first round pick uh, just because of what we know Harris is he's a really a budding young player in the league right now. Um, but when, like I said, Detroit doesn't have the ability to, to go out in free agency and sign a big name. Um, Blake Griffin's deal right now is what he's going to earn. Like he, he no one's going to sign him for below the max because he's, he, he's a good enough player to where he he's earned the max. The deal is going to be probably pretty rough towards the end of the contract, but right now, Blake Griffin is still a, an all-star level player in this league. He's got a great skill set. He's got an expanding skill set. He can be a great piece uh, for Detroit as they try to put together a roster to compete in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, my I, I, so my initial thought was I didn't really like it for Detroit either. Um, the, the first round pick hurts, and the contract, like you had mentioned, was kind of the killer for me. Um I mean, they're they're going to be paying him thirty million plus in in what three or four years. Um, yeah, to me, that's just not ideal, especially when you're giving up a first round pick. Um, and and when you when you look at the prospects that are going to be available around there, um, you know, there, there is a, a a lead guard probably who will be there, whether it be Shai Gilgis Alexander, whether it be Colin Sexton. Uh, one of those two guys will probably be there at twelve or thirteen, and just kind of knowing that that could be the guy that the Pistons could have groomed rather than having to take a flyer at 42. Um, it, it, it probably hurts. You know, when you already have Andre Drummond there, the league isn't really built for two big men. Um, it's it's It was just a little awkward for me. I agree. Uh, it seemed like they were trying to uh, do a little bit of what the New Orleans Pelicans are doing with Davis and Cousins. Obviously, it's uh, you know a diet version of that with Drummond and Griffin, but... Um, you have two big guys and you build around them. I mean, when Reggie Jackson has been on the floor due to injury or, or whatnot, um, Griffin's the primary playmaker. I mean, he's probably the best passer that they have. It's not Ish Smith. It's not Dwight Bucks. It's it's most likely Griffin. And, yeah, it's just an odd fit. It is um, certainly, I think, the league was blindsided by that big move. But what do you think 
I guess, Aaron, I'll start with you. Guys, what do you think would be a, a, a way to judge if this trade is a win? If they make the playoffs this year? I mean, if they make the playoffs before the Clippers? I mean, it's what is what is what is considered a win here? I mean, I, well, I think I think it's got to be getting into the playoffs and preferably you you win around, you make it to at least the next round because you are investing a lot of money in Blake Griffin and the talk around Detroit right now is we're making the playoffs. This is a good enough team. Uh, when we look at the internal growth that we that that Dwayne Casey and Tom Gores and the rest of the Pistons leadership expect out of guys like Stanley Johnson, Luke Kennard, and even Henry Ellenson, who um, was talked about extensively uh, today in the Dwayne Casey introduction press conference, um, they expect a lot of internal growth from those guys and Andre Drummond as well to to, to take those next steps. And when you look at um, the off season that Andre Drummond has has had. Um, he's posted a lot of videos of him, you know, trying to expand his game. He's worked in the mid range, ball handling, three point shot, off the dribble kind of stuff. You know, that's a guy that, after having a career year last season, could be in line to take an even bigger jump next year. And he was an all star last year. So, looking at the internal improvements from this roster, um, maybe Blake Griffin can. Um, continue to develop that three-point shot that he showcased with Detroit. He shot 34% from the three-point line last year. Maybe he can get that closer to 36 37% next year. Just continue to improve his game as he moves less from a athletic finishing big man to more of an outside uh, jump shooting, kind of playmaking big. I think this Detroit team has the talent, not to go very in-depth here, but I think Detroit has the talent to win a round in the playoffs. I think there's a good enough roster there, and if they can do that, I think that that wins a trade. That that trade is a win. <laughs> yeah, I, I I would agree. I think if they if they make the if they make the playoffs this year, um, I don't even think they have to necessarily win uh, around next season. But if they can make the playoffs next season, maybe win a game or two, um, and, and then kind of compound off of that, then maybe in two years, you know, they start winning a series or two, um, just kind of showing that they're clearly on a path for growth. They're clearly getting better. Uh, it, it's it's going to depend on what the East looks like, of course, but. Um, you know, getting to the playoffs and, and being a you know being at least a serious threat to playoffs, uh, winning the series obviously wouldn't hurt. But you know, kind of getting there, getting there safely, um, not not kind of sneaking in. But I think as long as they get in there right. relatively safely, I think uh, you know I, I think they can show that the trade was uh, was a win for them. Gabe, maybe the second biggest story for the Pistons last year was you know obviously aside from the Griffin trade was why they passed up on Donovan Mitchell um, <laughs> and the. There were many articles that were written, I know, on this website defending Luke Kennard. Did you like Luke Kennard coming into last year's draft? And can you, you know, expand a little bit on on him as a player and maybe ease some of the worries that um, a lot of the Pistons fans have because they're still very unhappy with not getting Donovan Mitchell, especially considering what he did this year. But uh, you know, if you're able to go into that a little bit. Yeah, I uh, I actually really like Luke Kennard. I think I was higher on him than most, um, and I, I, I still do like him. Um, I, I wish SVG would have given him his uh, you know would have given him his fair his fair due on a consistent yep. basis. But um, no, I, I I liked him. Now I will say I did like Mitchell better going into the draft, but I don't think that Kennard at twelve, I believe it was last year. Um, I don't think that's a bad pick at all. I think obviously it hurts to see what Mitchell did, but hey, it could be worse. You could be the Charlotte Hornets. Um, I think the Hornets picked the worst shooting guard of those three, Monk, yeah. Mitchell, and Kennard, um, and they picked him first. So I, it could be worse. Uh, obviously, it could always be better. Um, but I think Kennard is a really good player. I think uh, the, the common misconception that a lot of people had and probably still have with him 
is that he's just a shooter. Um, you know, he's just a guy who can, uh, you know, spot up and shoot, but that's couldn't really be further from the truth. Uh, in college in his last year, he actually led the nation on qualified uh, points per possession on pick and roll. So he can put it on the floor. He can dribble. He can, he can pull up from mid-range. Um, obviously, you're not going to see him take it to the basket and drive too much. He's not, you know, not, he's not a natural athlete or anything. He can defend his position, you know, uh, fine. I don't think he's ever going to be a lockdown defender. But, you know, he shouldn't be too much of a negative ever on defense. Uh, he's a very smart player. He's actually an underrated passer. I think his vision is something that got lost up a lot with his shooting ability. Um, and that he, I, when he was at Duke and even this past year, uh, when, I, when I did see him play in Detroit, he rarely ever makes, I would say, a bad pass. You know, he kind of always reads reads it right. And even if he always plays it a little bit too safe, uh, um, you know, you rarely see him turn the ball over too much. He's he's kind of a, he's very, like I said, he's a very smart player who can put it on the floor. He can shoot and spot up. Um, I think I think in, within the next couple of years, we should see him as a contributing starter for a Pistons team that should be uh, regular in the playoffs, that should be kind of competing to, uh, to get to those next levels. Aaron? you feel any better <laughs> yeah you know what honestly what gabe said uh said uh felt great you know i think again canard was a good pick for where detroit was in the draft stan van gundy addressed a need with detroit and that was shooting no one really thought that donovan mitchell was going to do what he did in his rookie season and i was the guy that wrote you know the day before the draft that donovan mitchell was the player for detroit i wanted the pistons to take donovan mitchell um but luke Kennard had a very good rookie season and he showcased a lot of potential with this group and i think with Dwayne casey a guy that's great with developing players you, you, we're gonna see him take steps in his game that only solidify that uh he has a future in this league and can be a, a darn good player yeah um and I guess we'll find out with a new coach to see how much playing time uh, he gets exactly. Um, Gabe, anything else on the NBA draft that you want to mention in particular? There's tons. I mean, there's tons of stories that we can talk about. There are um, so I mean, many there, there's stories. Just, it's, it, it could be really just endless. But is there anything specifically that you want to hit on? I, I, I guess there's nothing in particular. I, it's just going to be crazy. I think this is setting up to be one of those unpredictable and movement-heavy drafts that we've seen in a very long time. Who knows what we'll get even in the next 24 hours before the draft. We already saw the 45th pick get moved. Um, but I think this draft is just going to be a wild ride. And it's great that the um, the reporters have kind of banded together to not spoil the picks on Twitter. Yeah. So in, in, in a draft that's going to be so suspenseful up to the last second, uh, we get to kind of feel that suspense rather than have it have it, uh, you know, spoiled for us via Twitter notifications. Because I know everybody's got Woj's notifications on now. Everybody's yep. got Shams' notifications on. But um, yep. it's going to be a fun, suspenseful night tomorrow night. And I'm just, I'm really excited to kind of, uh, you know, see it. It's always fun for me, someone who kind of keeps up with, with the draft yearly. Um, right. You know, I'm, I'm going to have my 2019 mock draft Friday. Uh, oh, so, God. Oh, God. So um, for someone who does it yearly, it's, it's always fun to just kind of see the progress that, that your boards take. You know, a year ago, I never would have had Zaire Smith anywhere near my board. Now he's, now he's you know, close to my lottery. So, um, you know, it's cool to see that kind of come to an end and see these kids realize their dreams. And uh, it's it's going to be one wild ride tomorrow night. Gabe, do you have Absolutely. do you have a top five? Do you have, yeah, What's your top five for the draft tomorrow night? Um, so my top five tomorrow night, what I think will happen, 
Um, I would go Aiden at one. I'd go Bagley at two. I would go um, – I think I'm going to stick with Jackson, Jaron Jackson at three for the Hawks. I know there's been some uh, Luka Doncic reports, but I think that's a smoke screen to get their trade value up. So I'm going to go Jaron Jackson at three. I'm going to go Doncic at four for the Grizzlies. And then I'll go Bamba at five for the Mavericks. I think that's that's kind of me being hopeful that it stays clean and not too crazy. Right. I think if Doncic goes three, I think everything goes wild. Um, but I, I, that's what my five is right now, and I'm putting together my, my final 2018 mock right now. I think, it's, I think that's what it'll be. Is there a team that, just real fast, which which team do you think trades into the top ten? Because it seems like mm-hmm. half the league wants to trade back into the top ten. Mm, yeah. Um, if I had to put money on it, I would think I would go with Phoenix. Phoenix, 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 Phoenix. I think Phoenix, they're being a little too quiet. There's reports. Uh, but there, it seems like a lot of the quietness has come from their camp while they're still seeing some reports. Maybe Atlanta. But um, I think if Trey Young falls past Cleveland and New York, uh, there could be a Trey candidate there for 9 or 10 uh, to get Trey Young. I think Atlanta could be in the same boat, though. Uh, both have two picks. Um, you know, both have two picks. The Suns' second pick isn't in the first round. Uh, the third pick isn't in the first round. They're at 31. Basically a first-round pick, though, so they could get you know 16 and 31 move up, as opposed to Atlanta having 19 and 30. Um, but I think it has to be one of those two. I, yeah, I've seen a, you know a little bit of talk about Atlanta grabbing Doncic at three and trading back up to get Trey Young uh, at nine or ten or, or or I suppose eight if he gets past Cleveland. But we'll see. There's gonna be a lot of moving pieces, um, and I I am so uh, excited. I really just can't tell you. I mean, Cleveland hasn't had this high of a draft pick since at least the basketball franchise hasn't had this high of a draft pick in a long time, and now I can actually pay attention uh, um, and whatnot. So, for the record, Aaron, is there anything else? For the record, if the Suns draft DeAndre Ayton and then trade trade up to get trade back into the top ten and get Trey Young, I, I, I think I might I think I might become a Suns fan. I, I would I would absolutely love to see Trey Young and Devin Booker uh, in a backcourt together, and I'm intrigued to see what DeAndre Ayton can do in the league. He had such a great season at Arizona, but it kind of seems like he's always been like the the number one pick guy. But everyone's always been kind of questioning if he really is. Like it's it's kind of weird um, because he had such a good season, and he's always just been the consensus number one pick. But now as we get closer to the draft, you know. We don't really know how good of a player he can really be. Um, I don't really know what a fair comparison is for him. Um, so I'm really interested to see how good he's going to be in the NBA because he was so good in college. But now we get as we're hours away from the NBA draft, people are just kind of starting to question if if he if he really should be the number one pick. And that's kind of how it always goes. The guy that's supposed to be the number one pick is supposed to be the number one t- number one pick until hours before the draft when some other guy is supposed to be the number one pick. But, yeah, Trey Young, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton uh, as a young core mixing in Josh Jackson as well. Josh uh, Jackson, the yeah. Suns, the Suns could really become a, a very fun team. That is a league pass team, I, I think, for sure. That's 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 what's going to get me through the lonely January and February nights <laughs> of basketball, where it's just all of the playoff teams are, you know, hung over or just not throwing in the max effort. That's that's that that is a team that's going to get me through um, the January and February doldrums. Um, so, anything else, you two? Um, we covered quite a bit with 
the Pistons and a little bit of insight into the top five of the draft. Gabe, if I could just pose one more question to you. I know we gotta, we're we going to wrap this up here, but one prospect that's kind of been interesting to, to read about and learn about is Kevin Knox. Uh, it was slated towards, you know, maybe the the mid mid to later teens in most mock drafts, but now he's starting to, to really generate some some uh, some love here as, as we get closer to the draft. Where do you see him going in the draft, and uh, what do you think of his skill set uh, translating to the NBA? Yeah, his um, I think his pick prediction is really, really interesting and unpredictable. Um, I'm kind of leaning towards the Knicks at nine. Um, the Knicks may want somebody who could do a little bit more than just a 3 and D, like you see with Mikael Bridges. Um, I, I, I think Knox has a very, he's very raw. I know that term is thrown around a lot, but um, Knox really doesn't do anything great yet. He's shown flashes of being uh, uh, a fine three-point shooter. Um, I like his shot off the bounce in terms of potential. I think he can create for himself. Um, I think as a as a four-man, as a modern-day four-man, kind of in like a, a Rudy Gay type of role, he's kind of the first guy that comes up to my head. Um, but just kind of in, in that mold where he's, he's you know, a true combo forward. He can play either position, but probably best served at an NBA four so he can space the floor. Um, he's athletic, big enough, long enough to guard threes and fours. Um, basically a, a more athletic Kuzma where, you know, uh, he, he should be able to score in a multitude of ways, maybe not as a rookie, but once he develops, he gets his body ready. Um, I, I, I think he can be a pretty serviceable NBA player. I'm not sure if he'll ever be an all-star or anything like that, but he could be a contributor on a good team if everything goes right. Uh, definitely does a little bit of everything on offense, though. Defensively, he has a good upside. Um, he's one of the guys who I'm not in love with, but I don't hate. And I'm just really, really interested to see how things go for him. Good stuff. Good stuff. Gabe, thank you very much for coming on to talk about this. Where can we find all of your excellent writing and draft insight at? Um, basically, you can just go on deafpen.com. You can follow me on Twitter. I post everything there as well. My Twitter is at All Day Sport Talk. Um, my, my final 2018 mock will be up uh, Thursday morning-ish. Thursday afternoon-ish, sometime around there. I don't know. I don't, I don't do the posting, so um, it'll be, it'll be <laughs> sometime around there. Um, and then, like I said, my 2019 way too early mock draft will probably be up on Friday, I think. Um, so if you, anybody wants a, wants a head start as to who may be, uh, you know, some, some Pistons candidates for 2019. Yeah. And uh, we will have Gabe's Twitter in uh, the description of the podcast when we do put that on paliceofpistons.com. Uh, Aaron, any final thoughts? Yeah, Gabe, thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Great insight. And uh, I'm just excited to see what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, it, it should be a really fun night. Uh, there's This draft class is better than I had initially thought it was, so I'm starting to fall in love with some of the players that are going to be on the board. And um, I'm just, like I said, I'm really interested to see how this goes down. Yeah, awesome. th- uh, th- thanks, guys, for having me on. Definitely, definitely appreciate it. It's always fun to, to come on and talk draft. Sure, absolutely, and thank you once again. And uh, with that, that is the end of the podcast. Uh, and, uh, you know, we will see you all next time, Palace of Business Nation. For Aaron Johnson uh, and Gabe Esquivel, my name is Mike Angulano, and uh, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.